just because the Fed is is on pause and has said that they're around neutral doesn't mean that 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 the business cycle is over, right? It doesn't mean that now we're just waiting until the recession starts, right? It's uh, it's not quite that simple. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. On the phone today, we have my good friend up in Boston, senior market strategist, all-around good guy, earnings guru, portfolio manager. I mean, Jeff does a ton of stuff. Jeff Bookbinder up in Boston. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, it's going well, Ryan. Thanks for the uh, kind intro. How are you today? Well, it's April Fool's, Jeff. I thought I'd lie a little bit to start things off. <laughs> well, great. I can lie, too, and say I'm a happy college basketball fan, but I'm really not. And I was about to say, I am just so sad that Duke lost, but, you know, it's April Fool's. So, yeah, I mean, Jeff, how, how's your bracket looking? Mine is just destroyed. Well, I, I filled out several, and I, <laughs> I thought I had a good one with Virginia, and then right. uh, everybody else I had lost. So, now I'm hopeless. Well... I feel for you. I mean, you know, this is – it really is what makes, I think, college basketball in March just so special. You, know, you think about it just – I mean, just about everybody, obviously, at Duke and North Carolina, one way or another in there, and then both of them don't even make the Final Four. And, I, I mean, I love stats, obviously, Jeff. I and mean, I heard one, if you look at the four teams that made the Final Four, only one of them really even play a freshman, and clearly none of the four teams in the Final Four have one of those one-and-done players. So that's – um. You know, kind of eye-opening, I guess, given the trends in college basketball, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, experience matters. I, I also think these are all really good defensive teams. So uh, they say defense wins championships. There you go. Well, no, that's, a, that's a great point. So enough college basketball banner, like you said. I mean, I, I'm a Xavier fan, as I've said many times. They, didn't, <laughs> they only made the NIT. And, Jeff, you're a Kansas fan. And How far did Kansas get? Did they win a game? or how, I don't remember. Yeah, they did, and then okay. they lost to Auburn. Oh, well, that's okay. And Auburn has had – they've uh, slayed some Goliaths there along the way here. But, Speaking uh, of Auburn, isn't there, an L, isn't there an LPL financial employee, Jeff, who went to Auburn? I I, I forget. Who is it? Uh, well, or at least a big talking fan. about um, Scott Brown. No. Your, your I was going, down there in, I was going up a little higher than that. talking about uh, CEO Dan Arnold. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Dan Arnold – did he graduate from Auburn? I know he's an enormous fan. Nonetheless, I saw his office once, and he had a big Cam Newton jersey right in there. So he is a big Auburn fan. So congrats to Auburn and Dan and, and Scott Brown and the research team and all the other fans that have really surprised us uh, this year with Auburn strength. Pretty impressive. So, Jeff, maybe let's get to it. It is Final Four week, though. So this week on the podcast, we're actually going to take a look at kind of the LPL Research Final Four, the four things that really matter for the stock market, and then the four things that really matter for the economy. These were kind of our two things we wrote this week in our two weekly market commentaries. And Jeff, you know, I mean, who do you want to start with? You want to start with the economic one, or you want to start with the four things that matter to uh, kind of investments and stock market? Your, your call. You're the guest. What do you want to start with? I'm an equity guy, so why don't we start with the market? <laughs> That's right. Well, and, so uh, so am I. We might run out of stuff to say after we do this, given both of our specialties. But we'll start with the good stuff. There we go. Start with stocks. Uh, yeah, Jeff, they, I mean, uh, you 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 wrote it. Overlap here uh, yeah, clearly because you know the economic environment obviously matters a lot for, for the stock market. We can just, in fact, that's one of the four factors, right? Is is the economy? The exactly. four uh, that we pick for the stock market: policy, economy, rates, and profit. So, Ryan, why don't we just jump right in? You know, policy right. here. I'll start. That's a broad term. But in this uh, particular uh, commentary here, we focus on the Fed, trade policy, 
government spending, and, and really the, the you know the U.S.-China trade deal, I guess, is kind of the highlight of that. That's probably the biggest reason why we've had this big rally. But you know, people aren't paying a lot of attention to the tax cuts anymore because you know, think of right. kind of old news. But that's part of this too, right? The benefit from tax cuts, both for consumers and businesses, is actually a little bit bigger this year than it was last year. So you take that with the government spending pickup, a Fed that's kind of on hold here and really no longer uh, of much concern to markets and, and policy, we think is a positive factor. Uh, you're right, Jeff. You know, you talk about the Fed pivot. Clearly, the Fed did seven interest rate hikes last year. And then so, so far this year, they've kind of done the pivot where now they're on pause. And we've talked about this before and taken a look at previous times the Fed did this, where they hiked rates and went on pause. Most recently was March of 1995. And then from 95 to 98, the Fed was on pause. And what did the yield curve do? The yield curve was extremely flat, almost inverted in early 95. And then the yield curve stayed flat for several years. And Jeff, uh, that word yield curve is a very popular word with with investors and the media. You know, we did a blog on the yield curve just last week on LPLResearch.com, and I just got the results. It had, oh my goodness, I think four times as many page views as the next closest blog that we wrote last week. So, you know, clearly it's important. Wow. I mean, what do you, yeah, isn't that, isn't that something? I, don't, I know you didn't know that stat yet, but it's not surprising. You put the word Trump or you put the word yield curve in a uh, title, and I've always said it gets more clicks. But nonetheless, you know, the yield curve, it did start to steepen a little bit last week. I mean, this is kind of part of policy uh, with the Fed. What do you think about the yield curve here and now? Yeah, certainly the big story last week, you know, the fact that the curve has already steepened a little bit and that inversion was, at least for now, short-lived is right. a positive sign. Also, it was a very small inversion. Right, you know, a few basis points is all. Those two points alone suggest that maybe this is not a warning of uh, of imminent recession. And then, Ryan, you talked a lot about how even if the yield curve inverts, you've got you know more gains for stocks ahead, typically more economic growth. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I, actually, what we've the one I looked at was actually a two ten yield curve, two year ten year yield curve, which did not invert, came close, but. You know, when we look back at the last five cycles after that inverted, the S&P went up for another 19 months on average and gained um, just over about approximately 22%. It's a warning sign. We're not ignoring it, as we discussed before. But at the same time, we think it's definitely um, maybe a little overblown in the near term. And, Jeff, that's kind of the next. Maybe let's go to factor two then, which is the economy. The bottom line, you look at the short end of the curve, as it just did invert recently, it's really, I think, the market kind of saying, hey, the Fed potentially is going to cut rates. I mean, Fed fund futures are looking for a rate cut this year. I guess our opinion is, you know, if the economy comes in a little bit stronger than expected with a resolution on China, we probably don't get that rate cut, and the yield curve probably starts to steepen. What do you think here about the economy, Jeff, the rest of this year or maybe even right now? Well, we're in a soft patch for sure. Uh, we That's right. saw more evidence of that this morning with the dip in retail sales for February. But that was really already in the market, we think. You know, the the market's really looking forward here. That's what it always tries to do. And even though we're probably not going to get much more than 1% growth in the first quarter, economist surveys suggest 25 or so the rest of the year. And that's consistent with our forecast uh, as well. So, you know, a lot of the drags from Q1, weather is a big one. The uh, government shutdown is another one. Uh, and then just uncertainty around trade, which is clearing now. Those those drags are are most likely not going to be factors in Q2 and going forward. So uh, we think the market is doing the right thing here, discounting the uh, the soft patch in Q1. 
That's right, Jeff. You know, get a little geeky, talk about technicals for a second. You know, I'm a big fan of using advanced decline lines, which shows how many stocks going up versus how many stocks going down. Various advanced decline lines just last week once again made new all-time highs. And the leading economic index, better known as the LEI, one of our favorite forward-looking economic indicators, I guess it would have been two weeks ago technically, tied the all-time high from September. So you really, when, you, when I look at those two things, one is saying, hey, more forward-looking, leading parts of the economy are doing a little bit better than some of the lagging parts of the economy. Then simply, there is a lot of participation. That doesn't mean you can't have a pullback. doesn't mean you can't have some well-deserved volatility after over a 20% bounce from the uh, Christmas Eve lows. But it, I think it really does say the market is more forward-looking, potentially to some better times ahead. So, Jeff, maybe let's go to the next uh, factor number three is rates in, out of the, our, our final four for things that really matter for stocks and investments here. So we, I'll kind of set it up and hand it over to you. So clearly the 10-year yield has gone significantly lower. I think, you know, you talk about this year, what really surprises, at least me, yes, stocks up. This is the best start to a year since 1998, best first quarter to a year since 1998, up approximately 13%. I mean, that is surprising. I think it's almost more surprising, though, the action in the 10-year yield and yields across the globe really have really sunk. Coming into this year, we mentioned Bloomberg has a poll of economists. Out of 63 economists, only one was looking for a lower 10-year yield the first six months of the year. When everyone's betting on one thing, that's when you can get a real big surprise. So to me, the drop in rates and yields is actually a little bit more surprising than I think the bounce back in stocks. What do you think here, Jeff? Yeah, certainly we didn't think rates would go uh, this low, uh, certainly not on the 10-year. Uh, the I think it's more technical factors than it is a reflection of weaker growth. I think that's that's the main point here, right? You have right. low interest rates overseas, and so foreign buyers continue to really like our treasuries. You know, we may think 240 10-year yield is, is not particularly attractive, but compared to what they're dealing with overseas, it is. So that, in fact, that, that's been a drag here for uh, quite some time. And with a lot of stimulus coming from the ECB in Europe and the Bank of Japan, you're going to see you know, continued pressure, frankly, on our yields downward from low yields uh, overseas. So don't take that as a recession signal. We think uh, temporary, certainly better economic conditions overseas would help. That's one of our economic factors this week on the economic side, right. uh, global growth. That would certainly help. But we're going to get a little bit more inflation, a little bit better growth here in the U.S., and gradually uh, we think rates go higher. But maybe the good news from some of this economic weakness is that we think that the move higher in rates is going to be gradual, and we don't think there's a lot of risk of a spike here that would potentially impair economic activity. Uh, great way to summarize it. So in the end, higher rates, potentially a little bit of steepening of a yield curve. And Jeff, I do have the weekly commentary in front of me, so I'm just kind of, and you wrote it, great job as always. I'm going to kind of just read what we said, how people should look to play this. We favor a combination of investment-grade corporates and high-yield bonds for fixed income allocations as complements to high-quality core bond holdings. This position, Jeff, as I'm reading, the lights are going off in here. Whatever I'm saying, it's, it's, this is an April Fool's joke. I'm, I, I can't even read. It's getting so dark in, in the room right now. Uh, we do have one small light. Uh, this positioning can help take advantage of healthy corporate profit, uh, corporate balance sheets, and steady growth while keeping interest rate sensitivity in check. So, Jeff, I think we're going to see why in the world it's getting so dark in here. I'll let you kind of uh, go to – oh, there we go. 
the lights just came back on. It's the April Fool's joke is now over. So, Jeff, that's how we summarize that. Let's go to the fourth thing, earnings. You are, I, I joke that I think you've forgotten more about earnings than I'll ever even know, and I really mean that. And I know, you know you're our earnings expert. The fourth factor to what really matters for stocks and investments is clearly well, earnings, maybe you could say, is number one overall, but in a long-term basis. Right now, though, it is in our top four. What do we see on earnings going on, Jeff? Yeah, well, first quarter is going to be weak, just like it will be for the economy. Right. Consensus expects a decline. You get upside, usually, to consensus. I mean, we're going to get reports next week, so the season is, is upon us, which means there's not much time for estimates to drop anymore. We'll probably get flat, I would say. And that's not terrible, because right now, consensus reflects acceleration from there. We'll get a better economy, we think, over the next three quarters. We will get, we think, clarity on trade. And that'll come, I think, Q2. And then that'll certainly help, uh, we think, confidence. By the way, confidence is one of our final fours for the economy. That all points to better earnings ahead. So we would say there's a good chance Q1 is a trough. We would not expect an earnings recession. The commonly accepted definition of that is two quarters of year-over-year declines in S&P 500 profits. We think we'll get maybe one uh, at most, and then the uh, growth from here. We also think consensus is too low for 2019 now. Earnings expectations have been cut significantly. I mean, we were at 172 for the S&P 500 in 2019. That and change that is a few dollars above consensus now. It was actually below consensus by a few dollars when we published that number uh, originally. So that just puts into perspective how much expectations have fallen. Now we think they're down too far, and that even if we just get mid-single-digit earnings growth this year, the market will like it. Uh, Great way to put it, Jeff. So just to clarify, 172.50 is about a 6% growth in earnings. And like you said, the start of the year, we were low. Most people thought about 10% earnings growth, and now the consensus is about 3 to 4% earnings growth. And you know, I, I read a FactSet article just last week that said this was the, the first quarter was the largest cuts in first quarter earnings we've seen since early 2016. And you think back to 2016, there are some, some similarities with now and then with China, extreme weakness, uh, kind of the disconnect between the markets and the Fed, and then you know, once again, just avoid the asteroid, and earnings can come in a little bit better than expected. You know, one other thing, Jeff, that I, I've always found interesting, so this is earnings season in April, and we're going to talk a lot more about this in the next couple of weeks as earnings keep coming in. And this could be random, but for whatever reason, April historically is a really good month for equities. Think about it like this. The last 20 years for the S&P 500, April's the strongest month of the year, up 1.7% on average. But out of the last 14 years, April's been higher 13 of them. And if you look at the Dow, April, incredibly, has been higher 14 consecutive years on the Dow. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly why that is, but clearly there's some feel-good times to April. And it, some of it very very well could be earnings kind of come in a little bit better than expected. I, I don't, uh, Jeff, you mean the ad there? I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, right? April's usually a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, I think earnings is part of that. Mm-hmm. And if you look back, I mean, I haven't gone back uh, – decades on this, but if you go back and just look at maybe the last 10, 15 years, earnings season uh, stocks tend to do a little bit, bit better than outside of earnings season. Right? It, it almost divides up the calendar in half, hmm. sort of in earnings season about half the time. So uh, I think there is something to that. 
Uh, interesting. Last comment for me really on stocks, and we'll get to the economy. So we just had a really big first quarter, obviously, with the S&P up about 13% for the first quarter. Jeff, I went back to 1950, and the previous 10 times the S&P 500 gained at least 10%, which is only 10 times going back to 1950. The rest of the year, so those final three quarters, were actually up 9 out of those 10 times. But what's a little interesting, though, is the average return is just a hair under 6%. After you have a big start to the first quarter, the average year, though, is up a little bit over 6%. So it's usually higher, but it's really actually slightly weaker than your average year. And you think about kind of what we talked about last week with, uh, you know, we're still bullish. We've just gone more market weight. That kind of plays in well. So just because we have a good start to the year doesn't mean stocks have to, they, believe me, they can have pullbacks. And historically, they have when you have a good start to a year. But it doesn't mean you're going to just go into a bear market and have, a, you know, potentially a very poor year. But maybe just more of a normal-ish, another 6%. I mean, Jeff, my math is right. I think 6% or so is kind of puts us right up around our target of six, of 6,000, a little high, of 3,000 on the S&P 500. So that's interesting. Uh, so let's let's shift gears now, Jeff. We're going to go to our weekly economic commentary, Final Four. And these obviously focus more on the U.S. economy. Jeff, number one is a cautious Fed. We kind of talked about this a little bit here, but what do you think? Cautious Fed, what's it mean for the Final Four of the LPL Research U.S. economy? Yeah, so, well, to first just put a a bow on the market factors. Yep. Um, really, we'd, we'd say they're all positive at, at this stage. Get over the economic side, probably get three out of four positive. We'll get to this in a minute. So cautious Fed, and we make the point in the piece that we've had pauses uh, before that last several years in the 80s and the 90s. Right. So just because the Fed is, is on pause and has said that they're around neutral doesn't mean that, that, that the business cycle is over. It doesn't mean that now we're just waiting until the recession starts, right? It's not quite that simple. So I, I think that's interesting. You'll see that in the uh, in the piece. But probably the most important thing here is that the risk of a mistake by the Fed, which is what I would call what they did last fall, <laughs> has right. has fallen, right? So maybe it's not going to be a huge positive for the market here. It's still on fiscal policy to drive this expansion over the next hopefully a few years. On the margin, the Fed is a more positive market factor now than it was certainly a couple months ago. Oh, great points there. So I don't have too much to add, so let's just go to the next one. Uh, number two is a pickup in CapEx, capital expenditures. As John and I have talked a lot about, we think, you know, the consumer has kind of led this economy for a couple of years. We really think business and corporate America are going to have to take that baton to really extend this, what will be a 10-year business cycle coming up uh, later this summer. And you think about it, CapEx was really good the first half of last year when the economy was good, stock market did pretty well, then really dropped off the map. And why is that? Well, clearly the indecision over the trade disputes with China. So, Jeff, is it really as simple as if we get some type of resolution with China, companies will start investing themselves using capital expenditures, and that'll increase the business, or I'm sorry, extend the business cycle and pick up economic growth and earnings the second half of this year? Well, maybe it's a little more complicated than that. But it's never that simple, I'm that, aware. <laughs> that is, right, but that is a meaningful positive factor for sure. And so um, when we get that eventual trade deal, uh, businesses will be more confident, more likely to invest in uh, long-term projects. Right? Remember, uh, capital expenditures really need a three- to five-year outlook at least. Right. And if you've got uh, an uncertain picture, I mean, it's as simple as, are we going to build a plant where we have tariffs or not? <laughs> Right? And that really, we saw how the market reacted to tariffs uh, over the past year. You need to know your costs before you pick where you're going to build that plant. So it, it is a 
big, uh, big deal. But after we get that clarity, which we think we'll get, uh, then you have these tax incentives that are still in place that did drive a little bit of a bump in CapEx last year. You alluded to it, Ryan. Uh, but we don't think that positive driver has quite played out. After we get through the trade situation, we hopefully will see a little bit of a bump up again. Uh, great points there. So number three on the LPL Research final four factors that matter for the U.S. economy is global growth. Clearly, U.S. has been, even though our economy has been slowing, the rest of the globe, specifically China and Europe, have definitely been slowing more, even Japan. Now, Jeff, Monday morning, at the time we're recording this, we did see some really good, uh, really, because it's all relative, right, uh, some much better than expected data out of China as it reflects manufacturing. Finally ticked up above that 50 level, which is expansion. So we had some positive news finally out of China, which is which really sparked uh, some good gains in China and other emerging markets. But overall, the global economy clearly is more of a concern here. What do we? What do you think about the globe right now? Yeah, so um, you know, I mentioned maybe we got three out of four. This is the one That's right. that mm-hmm. maybe isn't quite so positive because Europe is really struggling. Japan, too, has been uh, somewhat disappointing. Maybe they'll decide not to put that that tax on the uh, consumer uh, consumption tax in October. Do you think there's a but, chance uh, of that? I hadn't, I hadn't heard it. you think there's a chance they could do that in October? I well, guess. They've, You're it's, saying it's there's a chance, the books, right? So they'll have to <laughs> decide not to do it. Right. Yes. But, okay. Uh, Interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But anyway, there's right. a number of reasons. Trade is probably the biggest reason why Japan has struggled here right. uh, over the last uh, couple of quarters. So um, we're not going to get much help in the near term from Europe and Japan, it doesn't appear. But if we, again, get uh, a trade deal with China, and then hopefully we can resolve the trade dispute with Europe, I mean, we still could have auto tariffs, um, and that, that's a big deal. Uh, so hopefully we'll get uh, that resolved. And, um, and then you could see, really, the U.S. and China lift all boats, right, and see this sort of synchronized recovery off of this soft patch uh, later in the year. So this could be a positive later in the year. It's probably a positive if you just look at China. But uh, Europe and, and Japan continue to struggle. And, you know, we thought these were going to be closer to 2% growth economies a year ago, and now we're looking at maybe 1% being too aggressive. Exactly. Wow. Well, good good, good points there. I guess that inner contrarian in me always thinks so much of the bad news that we're seeing in Europe, maybe it very well could be a positive if some of these if some of these other factors play out. So definitely we'll keep watching that um, literally daily and weekly on the LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff, fourth one, uh, a rebound in business and consumer confidence, clearly a very big factor as it relates to the U.S. economy is, well, what is about 70% of GDP is consumer spending. And as we've seen before, business and consumer confidence more of a leading economic indicator, which is so very, very important. What are we seeing out there right now with businesses and as a consumer confidence? Yeah, well, um, on the consumer side, we did get a good uh, confidence reading last week. That's right. Um, so that is uh, encouraging. If you look um, on the business side, we just got a pretty good ISM reading. This morning, that is a business confidence. No, I hadn't measure. even seen that yet. So, would that come in, Adam? I, I, did they come in pretty good, though? The ISC manufacturing this morning. Yeah, fifty-five point three. Mm-hmm. Great, okay. which was That's up strong. a point right. from February, and mm-hmm. it was almost a point above consensus. And I'll just so add real fast, the Jeff. Same story as we oh. got in China. We got the what I call the trifecta, right? It accelerated. Yeah. It was better than expected, and it was uh, it was expansionary. That's right? great. Really good manufacturing surveys, and that's certainly a big 
part of why stocks are up nicely here to start the week. That's right. I remember seeing on February's ISM data in the U.S., even though it wasn't all that great, people pointed out, you know, it still was coming in at a 2.5% GDP print. So obviously, if this month was a little bit better, that's even running a little bit better than 2.5% GDP print. So so there we go, Jeff. I know we've, we've, we've hit, the, I think, our... Um, we got to wrap it up. I'm getting the signal to wrap it up here. So, Jeff, I had a lot of fun this week talking with you about the Final Four, how our brackets are just destroyed. For whatever reason, the lights turned off in here. Someone's playing a uh, April Fool's joke on us. You know, all in all, a lot, a lot of positives, a couple negatives out there. Jeff, uh, what do you have to say? Do you have fun today? I did, Ryan. Thank you for limiting the basketball talk. Mm-hmm. I'm really not too too thrilled with how the tourney played out, but it'll still be fun. And, hey, at least it's baseball season. It is baseball, and it's April. There we go. We made it. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening this week. We greatly appreciate it. We'll be back next week, as always, for the LPL Market Signals podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.